Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Each episode, Andrea Fox grills a guest to get the best tips on issues such as savings, pensions, budgeting, debt, family finance, marriage and retirement. She's finding the answers we're looking for and getting expert tips that you can put into action. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, presenter and broadcast journalist, and welcome to The Penny Drops, where I speak to some of the best financial experts out there. On this month's episode of The Penny Drops, I'm speaking to experienced BBC journalist and broadcaster Guy Kilty, who you'll know from BBC Radio 5 Live's flagship business programme, Wake Up To Money, and Moneybucks Live on BBC Radio 4. There is no financial topic he hasn't delved into, from the money behind the beautiful game that's football, to retirement planning. And today he's talking to me about a very important and often overlooked topic. Guy, hello. Hello, Andrea. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm good. Um, We love talking about what we'd love to spend our cash on if we won the lottery. Mm. Planning for our death chats. (laughs) They don't come up in the pub quite so often, do they? it's not the most fun of topics, is it? But it is quite important. So why Mm. exactly should we be talking about this? So it's really important to consider what's going to happen at the end of life planning. The is the the sexy title for the topic we're talking about, isn't it? It's lovely. (laughs) It really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But it really is about um, thinking about what's going to happen when you die, because it's really, really important that your uh, estate, the things that you, your possessions and your property, any money that you have, is split up in a way that you want it to be. Um, And what it boils down to, which we'll come on to as we talk through this, uh, the three really big things um, that you need to think about. The first is making a will. So this is effectively tells everybody what should happen to your, as I say, your money, your possessions and property. So that's your estate. Because basically, if you don't leave a will and you die, the law decides how your estate is passed on. And there are all sorts of rules. There are all sorts of uh, different ways that the money then has to be split up that might not be the way that you want it to be split up. So it's really important to make a will. The other thing to think about, which we'll come on to, is power of attorney. So this is where you're effectively giving someone else the uh, control over your financial uh, financial affairs, depending on a certain set of circumstances happening. So this might not be actually, this might be before you die actually, but this might be if you become ill or incapacitated, you have this thing called power of attorney, which gives someone else the power um, to look after your financial affairs. You give them that responsibility. The other thing to think about is something called a living will or something that is more referenced as like advanced decisions. So this is, this is where something that would become relevant if there became a time when you were unable to make or communicate your own decisions about your finances. So an advanced decision is legally binding, which is really important. And it means those caring for you must follow your instructions. So those are three key things that you need to think about, really, which are really, really important so to ensure that what happens to your money, your property, your possessions, is it's split up in the way that you want it to be and not in a way that you don't. Yeah, so there's. I've learned will, I knew. Mm. Um, the other two, never heard of. And I think a lot of people will think, oh, I, my partner knows what I want. Is that enough 
to just think, oh, they know what I want. I don't. I don't need to have it written down. Well, it, not no, it's not because okay. that's oh, the good. short okay. answer. Next question. Because what happens is, if you die without a will, uh, the as I said, the the person's estate has to be shared out um, according to certain rules. Now, these are called the rules of intestacy. A great word, which I had, great had to double check. Words. I always have to double check how to pronounce that one. It's always a word that trips me up. When you see it written down, you're like, how do you pronounce that? But it is intestacy. <laughs> so this is, if you uh, die without leaving a will, you are an intestate person. That's how you're referred to by the law. Now, under the, the those rules, the rules of intestacy, only married or civil partners and some other close relatives can inherit under those rules. So um, it's really, really important that if you want other people to inherit money or possessions or property from you, that you have a will that specifies who those people are, how everything's going to be split up, because otherwise it's very restricted in terms of who can actually receive money if you don't have that will. Wow. Okay. So is it as simple as, okay, I've decided I need a will. Can I just head online and Google it? Is it expensive? Is it complicated? So, yeah, I mean, making a will, you can do it yourself. So that's it, the first option. The cheapest option is probably to do it yourself. But what's if you want to go down that road, you have to be very careful. So you can okay. another option for that is you can buy like a template document uh, in a stationery shop for as little as ten pounds, something like that. And that's you can be your starting point. <laughs> I feel as like long, you're not recommending it. Well, it, look, it's, if you you do it yourself, and as long as it's signed and dated by you in the presence of two witnesses, then you're good to go. Okay. The problem about doing it yourself is is that if there's anything that's then unclear when it actually comes to the time of your death or if uh, the document isn't correctly signed or isn't you haven't gone through the correct process then the whole thing can be it can be invalid quite easily so that's the thing to bear in mind with doing a, a DIY will is that the chances that you may have done something that means it would be invalid are much much higher obviously than if you went through a paid service I suppose if you're going to do one get it right first well, time that's i mean there's, there's a good argument for that particularly because it, it isn't that expensive to get one so you can get some online providers now offer a very basic service for around 20 pounds where they just run you through step by step and it's just you don't talk to anyone you fill it all in online um but obviously then again you you're doing all the thinking yourself you're not there's not someone there asking you the questions that might actually help you create the best will or the most effective will that you could potentially do so that is another option um but then if you want to step it up a bit more so where you actually talk to someone and they will help you do it so a lot of if you want to do a very simple will either through a a company or as i i did my own will about four or five years ago after just having my first child and i actually did it this is a i might as well tell you because this this is my experience and it was actually very good was you uh, i found uh, someone who does it and it was actually all done over skype so I, me and my wife sat down. We the talked to this person over Skype. Yeah, it was it was it was a long Skype call. <laughs> it was a detailed Skype call, but we got at the end of it, we got the will, and okay. we were very happy with the service. And it was you know less than two hundred or less than three hundred pounds, I think it was. So for a very simple will, you can get uh, through a company or through someone who does it online, uh, as in talks to you face to face on Skype or, or on Skype. You can be looking at up to three hundred pounds, okay. you know, two to three hundred pounds probably. If it's a bit more complicated, it might end up being a little bit more. That can often be, you know, if you have uh, children or separate marriages, you know, that's when things can get a bit more complicated. Um, you can probably expect to pay, um, you know, a bit more for that. And then 
we'll come on to this in a, a bit later, but if you want to set things up like trusts to hold your money, then you're looking at a bit more probably, um, maybe five, six hundred pounds to do that kind of thing. But realistically, you can start from nothing and do it yourself, <laughs> but obviously there are risks and you can go right up to, you know, several hundred pounds, depending on what your requirements are. So a simple will, it seems like if I just want to decide who gets my most cherished records, yeah, then yeah. it's dead easy. Split go. the vinyl collection. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so what kind of things do go onto a list other than the vinyl collection? What can we sort of expect to be asked questions about when okay. it comes to writing these things down? So there are, there are seven key things that go into a will. You ready for these? Top the seven. Rundown. Let me get my pen. Yeah, the rundown. So clearly, you need your your personal details. That's the first thing that has to go in there. <laughs> Name and address, your date of birth, all that stuff. So you have to give that. Any children you have as well. Then getting to the bit that you're talking about. The big one is what is your estate? What are the things that make up your estate? So what what money do you have? What property? What possessions? And so it's really, it's it's list. It's as simple as listing those things and writing down anything that you have uh, that belongs to you or is shared that you want to be uh, given away, given to a certain person mm. or to a certain charity or to a company. Yeah. And it's all about really um, sitting down and working out what all those things are that are important to you that go to the right person or place when you die. So, yeah, it's... It is going through the record collection. You probably, <laughs> if you do the, uh, if you actually do the Skype call, you need to be sitting close to the record collection. Who's getting? The, who's getting the signed stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then the big thing following that is who the beneficiaries are. So, uh, you might want to leave everything to one person, but mm. if you want to split things up, you have to be very specific about who those people are. You need to be very specific about what share of everything they're going to get, and you. Yeah, you have to be as detailed as possible at that point. So there's no uh, issue with contention. Or no one can contest it at the time of your death because obviously you're not there to explain. That's the key. You're not there. You have to. You have to work on the basis that you're not there yeah. when this stuff gets all. When all this stuff gets split up, you're not part of the conversation. They're working off this document that you've created. And when you say contested, when everyone argues when you're not there yeah. to sort it out, basically. Let's, That's let's, what that means. We've all read news stories, haven't we? We've all read stories, mm. watched movies about wills being contested. And that you know, can happen quite easily if mm. some people feel they've not been dealt with in the right way or you know, they deserve more or someone else deserves less. So as clear and as uh, you know, direct as you can be when you're making your will, that is... That is the key. Um, the the other so then that those are the the key things in terms of your estate, who's going to get it, mm -hmm. and then a, another very very important part is who are the executors. So so what does an executor mean? Okay, so they are usually you would nominate one or two or maybe even more people, but usually one or two. Favorite child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically, they're the people who will actually deal with all this. Okay. As I said. Key thing to remember is you're not there. Not Someone here. else is dealing with all this. So usually you would name one or two executors. Now they can be a close family member, friend, and they will, if you're effectively saying to them, I want you to look after uh, everything when I go. Um, and if you're leaving your whole estate to one person, then it's quite common to appoint that person as the executor. You know, there's, there's no point overcomplicating these things. Mm. Uh, sometimes. So the other thing about um, executors to bear in mind 
is they've got they've got to do quite a lot of things. So they've got to notify organisations about your death. They've got to you know talk to utility companies, your bank. You know, it's, it's quite a lot of work. You're for making people. me glad I won't be around. <laughs> yeah, they, you've got to they've got to pay off any debts or liabilities from your estate. Uh, they've got to get everything together. You know, so if if you've listed loads of assets or property or possessions that you want splitting up, they've got to records. Yeah, records. They've got to go and get it, or they've got to get <laughs> someone to help them get it. But they've got to look after getting it. Um, they've got to work out about whether you owe any tax, um, and clearly distributing what's listed in the yeah. will. You can actually, though, one other thing just to say about that is, you can name a professional executive there are companies that will allow you to that will offer a service that there'll be a professional executive for you so they will do it so but you would probably end up paying a few hundred quid for that why would you use a professional rather than a family member uh, is it I going guess, back to the old uh, I guess yeah, contesting let's, yeah let's I suspect for some people they might feel an independent overseer might be better than a family <laughs> member I'm sure we've all had our uh, you know family their moments Fort, so you never Christmases. know at yeah. the, moment, the moment you write in your will you might think actually I'd rather someone completely outside of my family or friends I want them to look after this so yeah. and I guess okay. as well a bit like um, you know spending more money on the will if I mean it's very it's more common it's much more common for people to just have friends or family as the executive but if you want you know if you want that extra sort of professional level of uh, care, I suppose, then you might want to go down that road. Um, so that's a big, it's a big thing though, choosing your executors um, and really, really important, obviously, for a will. Mm. So that's four of the seven. I'll get okay. to Oh my gosh, them. yes, sorry. So then, other big thing, legal. if, if you have children, who's going to be their legal guardians? Mm -hmm. So if they're under 18, that's a big thing. Um, and obviously, talking to those people first is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go and live with Auntie so-and-so? Uh, um, trustees, we can come on to this a bit later when we, if we talk about inheritance tax, but which we will. Yeah, one of the things that you can do is you can set up a trust where part of your estate can be put into. If you do that, you have to, you know, name the trust or give details of the trust that you set up, and also have trustees. So, a bit like the executors look after, um, you know, administering your will. Trustees will look after administering that trust. So it's important okay. that you do that. Um, and then the other thing, the final thing, is just if you you can say anything that you want to happen after your death. So that could be just as simple as how you want the funeral to be, what what the music you want yes, when, music. You, when you're being taken taken <laughs> away. So you know you can specify anything like that at that stage as well. So those are the big things that you have to put in a will. But if you pay someone to do it, they'll just guide you through that process. Yeah. And it's actually, as I say, you know, it was probably when I did it, it was probably a couple of hours. Um, you know, it's, it's it's in detail, but it's it's not it's not days and days of of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I suppose to make sure that your loved ones aren't at each other's throats after you're gone, it's it's only a few hours, isn't it? I mean, as yeah. you're sitting here, I'm going, I don't have any stuff. But as you're going through your list of seven, it's a bit like when you think about a house insurance. All of a sudden, you're like, yeah. there's a lot more stuff in here than I thought. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned power of attorney earlier. What yeah. on earth is that, and how does that work? So power of attorney is. In essence, it's written authorization that someone else can take charge of your financial affairs in certain circumstances. So you're, you know, you're foreseeing an event in the future and mm -hmm. saying, if this happens to me, I want this person or these people to look after my financial affairs. And there are two key types of power of attorney, really, that you need to think about. The first is ordinary power of attorney. So this 
covers decisions about your financial affairs and is is valid while you have mental capacity. So while you're able to make decisions. Okay. So what it's what this would be most commonly used for is if you were, uh, you know, in a, a traffic accident or something like that, and you were in hospital recovering. But when you came, were discharged, you would be able to make your decisions again. So it's temporarily giving someone else control of your financial affairs. So that's ordinary power of attorney. The second type is lasting power of attorney. So this is different. This is when you lose mental capacity. So if, you know, you were to suffer from dementia or something similar, um, you can, before that happens, you can set up lasting power of attorney to say, I want person X to um, look after my financial affairs. If this is the case, if I am unable to make my own financial decisions anymore, this is the person I want to do it. And then that gives that person, you know, that is a wrecking, that, that doc, you will create a legal document, which is legally binding. And then it means that any, all the financial institutions that, or any uh, companies that you have financial dealing with, dealings with, they will then, uh, deal with that person instead because that is you know they, they would carry out your wishes effectively that this person is now in charge of my finances okay and I've heard the word executor someone was having a funny day when they were coming up with names and words to do with wills what's a, the executor well, of the will again well that's the executor oh executor see, so do we, I say it wrong yes <laughs> so we've got executor that's they're the, the people that look after not the, the executor no they're not invited no to the, to the funeral definitely not <laughs> Oh dear. One of the other things that you touched on is mm. inheritance tax. Yeah. Some of us are going to be lucky enough to consider this. Yes. So how do trusts and inheritance tax and all of those things come okay. into focus? So inheritance tax is 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 effectively, you know, it does what it says on the tin. It's a tax on uh, stuff that's given away or given to other people in your estate. However, the threshold is by most people's measures quite high. It's the value of your estate, as in all of your possessions, property and cash, has to be over £325,000. So okay. if it's below £325,000, you don't. there's no inheritance tax to pay. Um, okay. Everything above, if, if your estate is worth more than £325,000, everything that, above that level that you give... Um, could be subject to inheritance tax. Now, there's all sorts of nuances and subtleties around inheritance tax that can be dealt with, you know, in different ways. But th- okay. that's the basic setup. Um, and so, ba- the, the simple way to think of it: everything uh, above the three hundred twenty-five thousand threshold is potentially subject to inheritance tax. Now, if you're married or in a civil partnership and your estate is worth less than the threshold, any unused threshold can actually be added to the partner's threshold when they die. So they're separate thresholds. It's yes, per person, and actually, not per if you couple. don't use up all of yours, then your partner can sort of top theirs up with with I yours. So you. that's okay. uh, an interesting thing. And also, if you give away your home to your children, that includes adopted children or foster children or stepchildren or grandchildren, your threshold then increases to four hundred seventy-five thousand um, pounds. Okay. So. The key thing to remember about inheritance taxes is, is that threshold is three hundred twenty-five thousand. But then, one, if you then are, if you are going to pay inheritance tax, the the rate at which you pay inheritance tax is forty percent. So that's quite a high rate, right? It, it is quite a high rate, yeah. So it's that's, but it's only charged on the part of your estate that's above the threshold. So it's not the I whole lot. It's only the part of your estate that goes that is above that three hundred twenty-five thousand. 
So, for example, here's an example for you. So, if your estate is worth half a million pounds and your tax-free threshold is 325,000, so the inheritance tax will be charged will be 40% of the 175,000. There are some reliefs and exemptions, and there's also a lot you can do in terms of giving to charity when it comes to inheritance tax. So, if you leave 10% or more of your estate to charity, then the uh, inheritance tax rate drops to 36%. So that's an incentive, big incentive to give to charity. The other big thing is um, uh, there are ways to reduce your inheritance tax. So if your estate, if your estate is worth more than 325000 and you've sat down and, and you know totted it all up and mm-hmm. you think, okay, it's worth more than 325000 there are ways that you can reduce um, the amount that you pay. So first big one, as we've been referring to, is to, is to make a will because uh, under intestacy rules, as we talked about, so if you don't have a will, uh, it's it's very likely that you would end up paying more inheritance tax on, or the, the more inheritance tax would be payable just because of the way the really? rules work. Yeah, so just because you haven't got your ducks in order. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so wow. it's, that's a big reason. If you have, you know, an estate worth more than three hundred twenty-five thousand, a big reason to make a will is that it's much likely, more likely that your inheritance tax bill will be lower if you have a will. So that's one thing to bear in mind. The other big thing that lots of people do is actually what they do is they make sure they keep the their estate below that £325,000 threshold. Don't put that extension on. Well, yeah, and just, you know, it, there's all sorts of ways you can do it. You can give the, you can give assets away. So if you give assets away mm-hmm. and survive for at least seven years, it's so basically give gifts to family members or... Cash or, lump sums, yeah. you mean, that kind of thing? If you live for another seven years after you've given that gift, then there's no inheritance tax. Okay. Um, and you can actually give gifts totaling £3,000 £3, every year without... Uh, being liable for any inheritance tax, so you can give three if you want to. <laughs> if you have three thousand pounds, if you're feeling pounds, generous, yeah. you can also put things into a trust. Uh, so, for example, yes, you mentioned trusts. So yeah, so this is one example. So, if you a good example of putting money into a trust is if you have children under the age of eighteen, you could put um, a lot of money into a trust, which would then become th- that that money would become theirs when they become 18. And is it literally a trust? It's not an ISA? It's not no. a, anything like that? It's, it's a completely different It's a specifically thing. set up okay. trust fund uh, and they then have access to that at 18. But the crucial thing is, is that that's not then part of your estate. So it's not counted as part of your estate when it's to- when inheritance tax is calculated on your estate. So setting up a trust, um, and as I say, the, the prime example for that is for dependents who are under 18, yeah. you know, it then takes out that money, takes that money out of the inheritance tax equation. So, is there any cap on that? You're question: I don't know put... if there is a cap. I don't okay. think there is a cap, um, but I, I'm so not that's sure. That's a really good way to that. make sure that your kids yeah. are all right. And... Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it just means that they get the money that you've set aside for them. It's not the money that you've set aside for them minus inheritance tax. So, okay. um, you know, that is a really effective way of, of making sure that happens. Another thing you can do is you can take out life insurance for the potential inheritance tax bill so that effectively uh, what you would do with that, again, this is a trust, you would put that, you get a life insurance policy that would potentially cover the inheritance tax bill. Okay. Put that policy in a trust. So then that policy is outside of your estate, if you see what I mean. And then the the that cash that would be paid from the insurance policy is then not part of the inheritance tax 
uh, equation either. So, this is good. I feel like I need some diagrams. Yeah, but yeah. This is good. I almost, yeah, I'm going to have to listen back to this. <laughs> it does feel like it needs a. Uh, we need a whiteboard in here, yeah, guys. Yeah, some circles going on with uh, things in the middle. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned, charity is another big one. So, anything you leave to charity or give to any charity. Any charity. Yeah. Registered charity. Any registered charity. Registered no inheritance here, UK, tax. anywhere, just registered charity. That's a good question, actually. I think probably safest to be registered in the UK. Yeah. But uh, you're probably right. It might. It could well be anywhere. But. Anything you leave to charity is free of inheritance tax liability. So if you leave, and as I said, if you leave at least 10%, then your inheritance rate uh, payable drops. There's another big thing that you can do if your threshold, if your estate is over the 325 is you can, you can, you can enjoy it. You can spend that money, <laughs> you know, get rid oh, of it. Phew. Yeah. So oh. it's not all about, you know, saving as much as possible. If you're, if you think you're quite happy with an estate of, you know, under the threshold, and you've got some spare cash, then why not spend it? A lot Enjoy of people would say, life. yeah, just do that. Enjoy <laughs> your life. Exactly. Another thing, final thing is, if you have property, um, what lots of people, uh, more and more people seem to be doing now is actually releasing some of the equity in that house mm. early, effectively. So instead of paying off your mortgage at the end of the mortgage term, you'd get some cash out. And that actually, so th that does two things. You can give that money to someone else and then it's outside of inheritance tax uh, as long as you live for another seven years but also it, it actually reduces the the assets that you own because it reduces the amount of equity you hold in the, the house you know so the, the bank owns more oh, of it I than you do you mean yeah so um yeah there's 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 many many ways you can reduce the amount of inheritance tax you have to pay and obviously th this is a big thing about um, making a will and this kind of planning for the future in this way is that everyone's situation is different. Everyone mm. has a different balance of of cash, of property, of of you know records that might be worth hundreds or thousands of pounds. You know, it's it's Fingers everyone's crossed. situation is different. So it's really important to treat it like there's not one size fits all for this stuff. So mm. it's worth thinking about. Basically, you know, I got mine as I say four or five years ago. And that's something I'd never really thought about before because, you know, you, you often don't. You, you could die at any moment. You know, that's the reality, isn't it? But you, the likelihood, <laughs> I feel like it's quite unlikely that I'm yes. going to die now. So thinking about these things is really worth it because if it does happen and you do have some stuff that you want to go to the right place, then, you know, having a will will ensure that happens. And going back to the fact that you made yours mm. four years ago, Guy, is it something that's worth updating on a regular basis? I would say that that depends very much on your estate. Mm -hmm. So if and what if, changes, I suppose, in your life? Yeah. So if you were to move house, uh, or you know, to a much bigger house, let's say, or have eight more children. You, yeah. Say you won the could happen, guy. Yeah, say you say you you inherited some money yourself. Oh, or, right, yeah. You know, if if your circumstances change significantly financially, then yeah, I think it's definitely worth revisiting in my case i think things haven't changed that spectacularly since four years ago i've definitely got poorer now having two children <laughs> than i was than before so you're not gonna have to worry about that inheritance tax no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really fun laughing about death here with you i'm mm. going to go deep dive now into funerals because yes. again we probably talk about the songs we want played at our funeral <laughs> but that's about it when it comes to planning so how much should we sort of expect for a funeral to cost to sort of put yeah. aside okay so um the cost of a funeral um, has actually increased quite a bit over the last few years, but the latest uh, data, Royal London did a report into the cost of funerals very recently. 
they showed that the average cost uh, of a funeral is about £3,700. So that's the average across the country. Um, 10% of the average cost of a wedding, I'm yeah. just really well, thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> it is, and I think lots of people are surprised that yeah. it is that much money. Well, and the way it breaks down is that the vast majority of that cost is actually the funeral director. So the average cost for a funeral director in the UK is just over £2,000. Mm. So that's the amount that they charge um, to, to manage it, to, to take care of everything on the day, effectively, and to, you know, do the logistics, let's be honest, about these things. Yeah. Uh, good news if you want to be cremated being cremated is cheaper so on average you're looking at a burial fee of around two thousand pounds but being cremated is about 800 pounds so bargain yeah yeah something to think about and then clearly though you have to point out with anything like this is that there are big differences regionally so in london it's much more expensive you know you're looking at an average of more like just over four thousand pounds whereas in say belfast it's more like three thousand pounds. Wow. So, so it's not just the coffee that's expensive in London. No, everything is. Well, exactly, and it, it's it, again, it, it comes down to property prices. Yeah. Effectively, it's you know you're buying a plot of land, and it's more expensive in London. So, gosh, you know that is the reality <laughs> of a, a funeral cost. Now there are ways. Um, there's lots of different ways you can sort of plan ahead for that, though. So clearly, you could just take care of that yourself and save some money. You know, just put some money away if you're concerned about your family picking up the bill for that. But another big thing, of course, that you can do is you can, in your will, you can set aside some money. That, I mean, that's clearly the, the easiest way. If you've got in, enough uh, money in your estate to do that, then setting that aside is a very good way of doing it. You can also just save and think, okay, this, and tell someone, tell the executor, this is going to be to pay my for my funeral. But there are other, uh, there are lots of funeral plans out there, basically. Okay. So funeral directors and other providers do provide a service that is a long-standing service and effectively what it does is it fixes the price of your funeral at today's prices and then you either pay them uh, that amount or probably you know, you're paying them slightly more and you either pay that up front or through regular payments. So you'll off, lots of people will have, a, they'll be paying into a funeral plan, you know, mm. paying a weekly amount or a monthly amount. That means then that they have the peace of mind that their funeral will be paid for and their family won't have to, to pick up the tab. Um, and the way that works is basically that money is invested. It's a bit like a, a pension pot, you know, money's invested in a trust fund or an insurance policy. And when it comes to your death, the company gets the money from that trust fund or insurance policy and pays for your funeral. So. That's a very common way of uh, people that people plan ahead for that uh, event because yeah, it, it's it's a significant cost, you know, two, Just three, when four. No 000. one really wants to be thinking about significant extra yeah. costs, right? And obviously, if you want to go all bells and whistles, you can oh. cost a lot more than four thousand pounds. You know, if you want to go everything, parade so, through town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Viking longboat, that oh, kind of thing. Oh, you've, you've been reading my plans well, yeah. for my funeral. So keeping it simple, we're just talking about the you know the sort of basic. Uh, you know, thing a basic funeral or service is probably three, four thousand pounds. So, if you want to go to town, you can spend a lot more, but it's worth whatever you want to do. It's clearly worth thinking ahead. Yeah, not just um, about the songs you want. Played. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for people listening, what are the three things you want them to take away? Top three things from today's episode. I think the number one thing clearly is is however old you are, whatever estate you have, it's worth making a will. Um, thinking ahead of time about what you have 
and how you want it to be split up uh, now is really worthwhile because, you know, you, you never know, do you? You never know what's going to happen. We, we all hope for the best, but you never know. And if you want your stuff to be split up in the way that you want it to be split up, then the only way to ensure that is to make a will and to make one that's legally binding, that's watertight, and that will be followed by the executors of that will when it happens. So the second big thing I think to take away from all this is to think about the cost of your funeral in advance because it's not, it is a significant cost mm. and it's really important that you think about that in advance because ultimately someone is going to pay for that and clearly the best outcome is that, is that you have planned ahead so that you pay for it so that your relatives, your friends are not picking up the bill for that funeral. Um, so it's really, really important however old you are, to start thinking about it. Start looking at the different options that you may have about how you could prepare for that eventuality because it is coming. So it's worth thinking about how you're going to pay for that. Is it going to be in the will? Is it going to be uh, just saving some money, putting it aside and, and making sure that that gets used for the funeral? Or are you going to think about something like a funeral plan? So definitely say that's the, the second thing. And then I think the final thing is, you know, if you're lucky enough to be to fall within the the bracket or over, your, your estate is worth more than the threshold at the three hundred twenty-five thousand pound threshold at which you would start paying inheritance tax, if you're in that position, then it's worth starting to think about the most effective way to organise your finances to effectively minimise the amount of inheritance tax uh, that the beneficiaries will be liable to pay. Mm. So it's you know, not everyone's fortunate enough to be in that position. But if you are, or if you know someone that is, maybe give them a nudge. Well, you might think you're not, but when you've tot totted everything up, yeah. you are. You may well be, yeah. So it's definitely worth thinking about. Uh, finally, Guy, though, we like to take ourselves back yeah. and think about 18-year-old Guy. So what <laughs> what money advice would you give 18-year-old you? <sighs> well, uh, I'll tell you honestly, uh, internet banking changed my life completely because I at 18 and through my sort of 20s was not great with money You'd really you weren't hard always to... savvy I never used to go in and check my balance so I'd often go to the cash machine and I'd be overdrawn oh yeah now, do you want to check your balance no 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 depressing news for me today exactly yeah uh, but in terms of the 18 year old me I think thinking ahead it's as simple as that really mm -hmm. isn't it it's it seems like a million miles away like retirement and death start thinking about this stuff particularly pension uh, but also, I think, funeral as well. You know, why not? If you can get it sorted at 18, why not? But I think it, it does seem a long, long way off, doesn't it, at 18? Yeah. Um, so I would say start thinking about it. Don't be, don't be scared of it. It's not that scary. It can be done. And start checking your balance on internet, yeah. <laughs> internet Check, banking. Make sure you're on top of what your balance is and what's coming in and what's coming out. But yeah, I think just start to think ahead. Amazing. And as always, everything we've chatted about today, there's more resources and links to useful information available in the episode notes. Thank you so much, Guy, for joining me on the Penny Drops podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London, determination since 1861. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. 
All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London.